You're listening to the Disney One by One podcast, a chronological look at every Disney animated classic and beyond. Here's your host, Mike Rolfing. Hey, and welcome once again to Disney One by One. This week we have Melody Time from 1948, the 10th movie on our list. We're moving right along. And don't forget to check us out on social media everywhere at Disney One X One. And of course, if you could give us a review and rating on iTunes, it would be much appreciated. With me as always this week is my brother David Rolfing. David, welcome back to Disney One by One. Hello, Mike. Thank you for having me back. I'm excited to have a fellow Hostile Discourse podcast crew member back on the show this week. So I guess I can introduce Go for Jacob. It. Hello, welcome to the show, and welcome back to another podcast with your favorite co-host, I'm sure. Yes, thank you very much. I've been looking forward to this. This is a this is a really cool, really cool idea. Um, definitely got me out of my movie comfort zone, so I'm excited to talk. Yeah, we've been out of our comfort zone, I think, for about you know five movies ish. They've all been a similar style. And as how this many? Week. How many more until you're back in your comfort zone? Uh, uh, like Cinderella's coming up, uh, like actually, okay. like a classic. We're we're, we're getting there. Yeah, there yeah, were. There's a, there's a stretch of those starting with Cinderella. There's like Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan, getting into the ones that we've actually seen before. Right, but, but we've been in the th- in the thick of these these compilation movies. This is the final one, sort of. The next one has two shorts, but we'll call this the final one of the compilation movies. Um, that David, as you've established, you're a big fan of these. This this week's wasn't too bad, actually. <laughs> so, J- Jacob, welcome to the show. Um, our, our tradition with our guests is to first ask them what their Disney history is. So, um, did you grow up on Disney movies, going to the parks? You know, what is what, how has Disney influenced your life or not? Sure. My earliest Disney memory, I can't actually don't know which one of these came first, but. Um, when my mom would drop us off at uh, at her sister's house, uh, she had The Little Mermaid. And that's that might be the first Disney movie I ever saw. Also, when we were babysat, we had Aladdin. That was like the go-to when the parents were out of the house at our own house. Uh, I can't remember what... I, I should have looked up what uh, birthday this was, but I remember getting Tarzan on VHS nice. for one of my birthdays. Now Disney plays a bigger part of my life as it does everyone, um, because I am a big Marvel fan. Sure. But I guess I have a regular familiarity with the classics. But um, like I said before, I've never I've never done anything resembling a deep dive of the Disney Animation Studios stuff. Neither have we. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. And there's some there's some bizarre stuff in here for sure. So Jacob why don't you uh, go through your top five movies on this list? If you sure. Can. Um, Start with number five. At number five, I have Tarzan because I, I'm a big Phil Collins and Genesis fan. And so the, the music <laughs> I do keep coming back to. But um, my favorite thing about Disney is the way they draw animals. And that's going to be present in our, our conversation probably on this podcast. But um, I think the animation of the gorillas is really awesome. And... The the whole jungle scene is um I like kind of getting wrapped up in that world for a little bit. Sure. And that's that's new enough that they were able to utilize some CG as well to sort of enhance oh. a lot of the environments and stuff. Yeah, okay. After that I've got Lilo and Stitch. Well, hang uh, on, I wanted I wanted to ask, sure. have you seen the Phil Collins Tarzan Super Bowl halftime show? Because it's a thing. 
No, <laughs> I, I've seen I've seen some live videos of like promo tours that looked like kind of daytime talk show stuff of Phil Collins playing the the, the soundtrack, but I didn't know about a, no, a Super Bowl. The year that movie came out, well, Disney used to produce the halftime shows at the Whoa. Super Bowl. Whether it was a Disney related thing or not, they were huh. often in charge of it. And then one one of them uh, was Phil Collins singing. Among other things, Tarzan songs just kind of seems so ridiculous now. Yeah, when, when we That's, just get Justin Timberlake and, and sounds uh, like the best halftime show in history to me. It's on YouTube. You can find it. Okay, I will. <laughs> I will definitely. Anyway, number four. Number four is Lilo and Stitch. I love the moral of that story, and as a kid, the whole the whole small, powerful monster thing was. Um, fit very well with like how much I would think about Pokemon. That was like my background <laughs> fantasy as a kid. Like I was always thinking about Pokemon and like daydreaming of being a Pokemon trainer. And that kind of lined up a little bit, but um, the environment of Hawaii is just so beautiful to look at and the way they portray it and kind of in a weird way, like the, the emphasis on Elvis was almost part of like my um, foyer if that's the right word, into uh, kind of rock and roll music mm. and the rock and roll star celebrity. And that that's something like it could almost be a part of the foundation for like a big love for um, my big love for music and specifically like rock music. So that's Lilo and Stitch for me. Nice. How old were you when that movie came out? Like uh, let's find eight. Out. <laughs> yeah. Came out in 2002. Yeah, I would have been seven. Okay. Yeah, as I've established from pretty much every episode of this show, because everyone puts this movie on their list, I have yet to I've yet to see it. <laughs> oh wow! So yeah, I'm looking forward to it when whenever we get to it. Yeah, I know. I think it was just it was like just quite out of my 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 sweet spot. Uh huh. Because I'm six or seven years older than you. So. Right. Yeah, never saw it, but I do really like Moana. What did you think of Moana? Haven't seen it. Okay, so you got that's like Hawaii up a notch because the animation yeah. is just amazing. So yeah, you mentioned your musical abilities. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on this episode. I mean, every Disney movie has some music in it, but obviously this is one of the the handful this week that is exclusively music and more like music videos the whole time. Right. Yeah. yeah. For sure. On to another movie I've never seen. Your number three is what? Emperor's New Groove. I love the hyper stylized art of emperor's new groove and it I, I feel everything is like very it's super cartoony which is just so wacky and fun to watch the whole time i love the character of kuzco and the dialogue and Kronk is just it like weirdly became a classic character like he got a he got a disney channel spinoff show <laughs> I, I guess the the dopey well-meaning henchman of the villain I don't know how much of a stereotype or like a um, a trope that is, but like Kronk is just hilarious to watch and just the way he keeps like having a really pure heart and doing a lot of evil things is funny. I think that movie's it's the funniest out of out of the five I'm going to list. Another common top five on our guests so far. Yeah. Yeah. I think that one's very rewatchable. All right. Your number two is what? Hercules. And what I failed to mention in my history is that I, my family used to have a lake house that we'd uh, visit every now and then with a very limited supply of movies, one of which was Hercules. So I, I do associate <laughs> it with some very fond memories. They just make it so 
enjoyable to kind of imagine yourself in ancient Greece. They make the monsters look so cool. It it's like it, it it's a superhero movie. It's also like sacrificial heroism kind of stuff. And good guy wins, bad guy loses. Uh, absolute classic. All right, and your number one, Lion King. I bet I bet David. I bet he can guess. Oh, he said it. Oh, right. sorry, I said it. <laughs> Assumed you'd say Lion King. Yeah, I've been on record as saying this is the best. This is like maybe the most rewatchable movie of all time. I don't know. I, I don't know what could be said about Lion King that hasn't already been. Yeah, Lion King is is a titan among men in this uh, in the Disney universe. I think. And Lion King is by far and away the most popular number one choice of our guests so far. So, I guess I I'd like to express just some cautious optimism for the quote unquote live action. <laughs> it really, and I think it's going to come down to the music and the liberties they're going to take with it. This might be the one that makes everyone ask, like, have we gone too far with the remake thing? As far as the Disney reboot initiative they're rolling with. Yeah, and that that's set to come out in July. So Man, we'll see. Not even, it's sooner than I, you think. How long do trailers usually come out uh, before movies? How far in advance? It all just kind of depends. There's a whole yeah. bunch of fake ones online right now. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I, I once I knew a guy that got like millions of views for a fake uh, Green Lantern trailer he made, just using recolored footage of fight scenes from. Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer. <laughs> Colored green. Yeah, he turned like all of the um all of the human torch flames green. <laughs> and got millions of views. <laughs> Before we move on, I have a couple iTunes reviews to read. It's been a little while since I've read some. So first from Jay Charms. Excellent start to a new podcast right off the top. Great work. This keeps your attention with fun stories, facts, and of course the shared nostalgia of the classics. It's very easy to listen to. Thanks for that. And if you've listened to our Three Caballeros episode at the end of it, I challenged our guest, Andrew Perez, to write us a review in Spanish, so I would have to read it. So here goes. <laughs> este podcast es tremendo. Que talento tienen en describir los sentimientos que solicitaron estas películas. Espero que todas las otras podcasts sean tan bueno. Buen hecho, señores. Buen hecho. Which roughly translates to this podcast is tremendous. What a talent they have in describing the feelings that these movies have. I hope the other episodes are this good. Good job, guys. Good job. <laughs> Thanks for that, Perez. And if you're listening, write us a review on iTunes. It'll be read on the show right here. If you haven't heard yours yet, it'll come on a future episode. And with that, we'll move on to Melody Time. And now, our feature presentation. For the melody time of your life, it's Walt Disney's gay, sparkling, delightful new musical comedy, Melody Time. So, Melody Time, as we mentioned earlier, this is one of these compilation movies that Disney was pumping out in the 40s. You can listen to some previous episodes to get some more details. But basically, you know, World War II was going on or had just ended. They didn't have a lot of money to develop features full you know, full fleshed out features. So they made a bunch of shorts or finished a bunch of shorts. They'd started a while ago and sort of just started cramming them into, into features and releasing them in order to make some money. Um, this movie specifically melody time. Um, they were able to pull in a whole bunch of popular singers from the day, Roy Rogers, the Andrew sisters, Francis Langford, and, and many more to create this sort of pop music version of Fantasia more or less. The different segments include fantasy and folklore and, 
South American rhythms and poetry and slapstick comedy. A 1948 review by the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette described it as a mixture of fantasy, abstraction, parable, music, color, and movement, which is really one of the best ways to describe it for sure. This movie was released May 27th, 1948, once again by RKO Pictures, who has, I believe, released every Disney movie up to this point. Melody Time is not really a movie you immediately think of when thinking of top Disney movies or Disney movies that you've seen. It still lives on a little bit in the theme parks. At uh, the Magic Kingdom in Frontierland, there's the Pecos Bill Tall Tale Inn and Cafe, which serves <laughs> Mexican-style cuisine. And has now, there's a, a fun uh, fact. Yeah. yeah. And has a picture of the of Pecos Bill, the, the final segment of this movie, on the sign above the entrance to the restaurant. I think we've eaten there before, David. That sounds really familiar. Probably one of our ventures into Frontierland. Yeah, it's by Splash Mountain uh, in Frontierland, so... Anyway, that's about it with the sort of the history of Melody Time. Again, if you want to hear some more about all these compilation movies, you can listen to the last few episodes because we, we dive into that. So, David, do you, have you, were you able to find any more fun facts about this movie? Not many. Um, a bunch of them are just kind of about the different singers and how they were on the previous Disney movies. Sure. And then just like the segments were all released kind of in different forms. The trees segment was released to schools as like an educational piece mm. for art and music once upon a winter time segment which was the only one that i had seen before yep um was on the mickey mouse club tv show so maybe that's where i saw it maybe it was like a pre like short film on some vhs tape i don't know but i'll I tell you exactly what it was it. in you know uh yes okay we used to have or you know we had a vhs tape that was like a Disney Christmas compilation. Okay. It was a bunch of Christmas short films, and the ice skating one was one of them. It also included uh, like the Santa's Workshop uh, short. The, the thing I always remember from that is, is they're reading through kids' wish lists, and they're reading off like this what this kid wants, and then the, one, of the, one of the elves has this book to see if they're naughty or nice, and he goes... Billy Brown for seven years hasn't washed behind his ears. And Santa goes, <laughs> and Santa goes, well, I'll give him a cake of soap. And then the elf goes off going, a cake of soap, a cake of soap, a cake of soap. <laughs> so whenever I'm washing my like head, washing my face, I always think of Billy Brown for seven years hasn't washed behind his ears. A cake of soap, a cake of soap. But Billy Brown for seven years hasn't washed behind his ears. Well, <laughs> there's still some hope. I'll just add a cake of soap. Okay, a cake of soap. Anyway, how bizarre. Yeah, it's a great, wow. I mean, it's a great compilation of shorts. There's also like a, like a Huey, Dewey, Louie, Donald Duck, like snowball fight. Um, and there's also like Mickey Mouse setting up a Christmas tree with Chip and Dale or like yep. Chip and Dale are like living in the tree, like Dude, as, squ um, th as this, squatters. That sounds familiar to me. <laughs> the, that, that short. I wonder if that's the same compilation. Yeah, I mean, you may have seen the Christmas one. So, yeah. Jacob, anyway, had you had you heard of this movie before I told you to watch it? Never in my life. Okay. We can stop there. David, how about you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I had not. And I still can barely even remember the name because I'm getting it confused with Make My Music and other similar movies. Make My Music Fun If Answer Free, Melody Time. Yeah. And I think there was one more I'm forgetting now, too. Yeah, that's it. Anyway... <laughs> 
if you haven't seen Melody Time or if you haven't seen it in a while, here's a somehow I'm going to recap this thing in 60 seconds. Here we go again with another package film, Melody Time. Seven different segments crammed into one movie. The first is Once Upon a Wintertime, a story of two romantic lovers on a cold day. The man tries to show off on a frozen lake for the lady, but the ice starts to break and he almost dies, if not for a spectacular rescue. Next is Bumble Boogie, a jazzy interpretation of Rimsky Korsakoff's Fly to the Bumblebee, featuring a bee trying to fight off crazy music-related images. The Legend of Johnny Appleseed comes next, the tale of the pioneer John Chapman, narrated by Dennis Day. This is followed by Little Toot, the story of a tiny tugboat who wishes to be like his dad, but is always getting in trouble. Little Toot eventually saves the day by pulling a ship out of a giant storm. The abstract segment Trees is next, a poem and visual showing the changing of the seasons, a simple tribute to a tree. Next is Blame It on the Samba, featuring Jose Carioca and the Arocan bird from the Three Caballeros, who teach Donald about the joys of the samba. Lastly, Pecos Bill, about the famous Texas hero who was raised by coyotes, featuring Roy Rogers telling the story to his friends around a campfire. And that's it, 1948's Melody Time. Okay, so Melody Time. Jacob, you've watched this movie now for the first time. What was your initial reaction? I guessed right, uh, just from the title about what kind of movie this was going to be. And I I found it really enjoyable. And it, it was not long before my thoughts were just about how how different my movie-going experience is from 60 or 70 years ago. Yeah. Which is interesting just to wallow in for a while. But I was blown away, specifically with the Pecos Bill. Well, w- with a lot of them, really, just like there is there is so much visual creativity going on. I I was most of the time thinking like who the hell thought to have Pecos Bill going down a river with his horse on his shoulders propelling himself from his pistols from his six shooters <laughs> firing into the water um I think I prefer the more of like the visual spectacles than so much the stories I just thought it was a, there's just so many novel ideas visually happening and we'll dive into all the segments at least briefly uh, but first, David, your initial reaction to this movie, our third or fourth or fifth or sixth <laughs> compilation movie. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you say that you liked the more music and effects focused segments, Jacob, because I was kind of the exact opposite. Um, I really, the stories that they weave through this movie, obviously none of them are linked, but they actually had stories and that was very refreshing to me. I think maybe if you would have seen the past few movies that we did, you'd feel similarly, but um, (laughs) I mean, this movie, it had clear stories in most of the segments. A couple of them are more ethereal, um, but some really strong stories. I, the beginning of the movie, we'll get into it, but I just like had the slightest memory of the winter time segment that it was just super weird because I was just remembering like, okay, does the ice actually break or not? Like at the very beginning when I saw the horse carriage and then it happened. So I must have been super little when we saw it. Um, But that nostalgia was kind of there for me. So it was definitely a good way to kick off the movie. Um, And I was also impressed with the animation. It's definitely improved over the the 10 or so years that we've been going through these movies from the forties. Um, but the animation style and everything was very impressive as well. So I enjoyed it a lot. It's, it's up there in these first 10 that we've watched for me. Yeah. I, this is probably my least, eh, I guess, I guess if you're comparing melody time and make mine music, which are basically the same movie. Yeah. Just with different segments. I think I definitely like make mine music better. 
more segments in that that I really enjoyed as opposed to this one. Maybe I just wasn't in the right mood. I don't know. But I kind of watched it a second time today as I was prepping for this. And not as many sections as I, that I really enjoyed compared to some of the other ones. So I'll leave it at that for now. Um, let's dive into some of these segments. I think because there's no real like specific order to them besides the order they just slap them in. I'm going to pull up a random number, a random number generator. And uh, <laughs> we'll see what we got here. We'll do them in that order. Um, so one through seven. All right, we're starting with segment number three, which is The Legend of Johnny Appleseed. John Chapman, a real-life pioneer. With the passing years, however, reality has given way to legend. Until today, we know this remarkable man simply as Johnny Appleseed. This is his story. This one uh, is what exactly what it is. I mean, I, I, I don't think they created this. It's sort of an old folklore story. And I will say right off the bat, I was put a smile on my face because I recognized the song he was singing. The Lord is good to me, and so I thank the Lord for giving Oh, really? Yeah, the, oh, the Lord is good to me. So no, let's all I, yeah, thank never the heard Lord. It. We used to you sing that really? in, like, yeah. pre, uh, in like preschool. Oh. Yeah, I knew it. Maybe it's a St. Louis thing. Or, or maybe, yeah. Or like I, at home, like before dinner, like it's like a prayer. Huh. Nope, never heard it. <laughs> really? But uh, I was paying as much attention as I could to the credits, and there, there is a, there's a slot for like folklore contributor. Really? Okay. And they, had, they had two people that like, I guess were designated experts on American folklore. I at least knew that this movie was going to be like a different experience because I don't know that there's one of those for any movie I'd ever seen before. <laughs> yeah, they probably advised on Pecos Bill as well. Yeah. I owe the Lord so much for everything I see. Yeah, it was definitely interesting to hear that like Christian uh, origin song and then him carrying the Bible around and everything. You don't yeah. see that in many no. Disney movies no, as of late. But that song also, I was singing along to it a yeah. good amount when it, he was singing it in the movie, as my, my wife could probably tell you. The things I need, the sun and the rain and the apple seed. Yeah. Jacob, nothing. 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 This is a... <laughs> I, I did grow up in a Christian home, but we didn't have we didn't have the Johnny Appleseed song. I was trying to find the origin of this song, because it was not written for this movie, um, I don't think. But I Googled only yielded... Um, that it is a Swedenborgian hymn, huh. which I don't even know what that means. I guess it was, it's, it's like from Swedish history, you know, and I pulled out my Disney piano book, which has like every song imaginable in it. And it, it, it credited Kim Gannon and Walter Kent, but it may have just been for that specific arrangement. And I think they added extra lyrics on top of the original kind of traditional mm-hmm. song. So pack your stuff and get a going. Get them apple trees a growing. There's a lot of work out there to do. I also enjoyed the the angels song that they repeated a couple times. That song is catchy, as well as the the song when they were dancing with the Native Americans around the food. Which <laughs> yes, was, that that was wild. Like just the crazy fast like square dancing. Yeah. That was very, very funny. Anything else about Johnny Appleseed or should we move on? I liked how they kind of 
kidified his death at the end. What yeah. did they call him? They're like, what is that over there? My husk? Your like husk. A, like a corn husk. Like a <laughs> yeah. Cur- your, mor- for your, a- your mortal husk. <laughs> a carcass. <laughs> a husk. I didn't know those meant the same thing, but all right. It made it less morbid, I guess. Yeah. All right, that's just your husk, John. Your mortal husk. My husk? You mean to say I'm, I'm passed away? Well, I'll also bring up uh, I mentioned in the Three Caballeros episode, I believe, uh, Mary Blair, who was one of Walt's most popular artists, one of his favorite artists. Um, her style is very prominent in this Johnny Appleseed segment. Jacob, she's she's the one who like did design on It's a Small World. Okay. And she's like Alice in Wonderland. A very distinct style and a very defined a lot of early Disney. And her her stamp is certainly on this Johnny Appleseed segment. Yeah, and she's also the fact that she's a female, and that's very rare back then. Yeah, for females be working in such a you know prominent capacity in, in film. So that is interesting. According to my random number generator, segment one is next, which is Once Upon a Winter Time, which we discussed a little bit. We Yay. can get in a little to a little bit more. Yeah, like 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 we said, I, I had definitely seen this many times on that on that Christmas VHS tape that we had. So I was very pleasantly surprised to see it and definitely remembered most of it. Some very impressive animation, uh, like a little action sequence going on here. I was thinking a lot about the uh, rushing water and about how I figured that would have been the hardest thing to animate. Yeah, I was later, I think, proven wrong because I, there's a lot more water in one of the later segments, uh, and it looks a lot. <laughs> it looks a lot better. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was really cute, silent storytelling. It kind of got old. I thought, like, I thought it could have been maybe half as long as it was. <laughs> I think that it it is perfect for the like Christmas time Disney collection video. Yeah, it, it definitely hit nostalgia for me. Just like the song at the beginning. I just love, I love classic Disney singers and choirs. So, yes, yes. And so, just off, right off the bat, I was like, yes, this makes me so happy. <laughs> Mary Blair is the artist you were just talking about for yeah. the Johnny Appleseed art. Yeah, this one, I was reading a little bit article about it. Um, some other animators animated this segment, but they tried to make it look like Mary Blair's mm. style. Nice. Like on purpose. So. Yeah, the people definitely are reminiscent of, of her her work for sure. But yeah, I was just super surprised to have seen this one before because I didn't think I'd seen any of this movie. Um, and I could not remember for the life of me what where I'd seen it and how old I was. So I'm glad you were older at the time and you can remember yep. for the both the both of us. Yep. And I, I've I've tried I've YouTubed that Christmas VHS relatively recently because like mm-hmm. i said i always think of billy brown for seven years hasn't washed behind <laughs> his ears so like i need to see this so it's been in my head for 20 years next on the random sequence generator is number five which is trees there's poetry in trees they say and well one day a poet found it this one, I, I appreciated the animation. I thought it was kind of boring. Maybe I'm just... I just may be spoiled because all of the previous movies have had amazing animation. And so I'm more like, does this entertain me or not? And this right. one, I just, yeah. I just kind of... This one just kind of 
it was quick and it just kind of went by and I just sort of forgot about it. Each segment starts with like that same paintbrush thing going over to either like paint the um, paint the curtains or just the backdrop for the title card or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if it started with that, but like there is just a small outline of a tree and it's filled in with another color to get a little more. And then like by, after the third color, I just thought the first shot was like it was a really, really just beautiful picture of a tree. Um, <laughs> but I thought the music was so beautiful. I just thought it was a really beautiful spectacle. And that last shot of definitely a made up tree. I don't know that there's any tree that actually looks like the one in like the <laughs> final shot of the of the thing, but um it's like there's like a light ascending from heaven and they've already said that it, it is God like ascending on this tree and like it's on top of the hill and it's against like this weird cloud forming a halo around it. And it just was it was a little moment for me. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't like cry or anything, but like I was like, oh, that was beautiful. Wow. Yeah, I I kind of felt the same way as Mike. Sorry, Jacob. That's all right. <laughs> Disney has just had so many different versions of people or animals or boats or planes running away from storms. Yeah. There's been so <laughs> many of those in these past few movies that this one was just I was kind of numb to it. So that was number five. Uh, the next one on my random sequence generator is number four, which is Little Toot. <laughs> Little Toot. <laughs> well, he's a big toot now. So with a huff and a puff and a chug, chug, chug and a perky little hoot, we introduce our hero, the tugboat Little Toot. Now you're a great big toot, Little Toot. <laughs> that was my favorite line. My favorite line was, I'm a big toot just like my dad. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's a story uh, no. of a little tugboat who uh, causes some trouble, but eventually overcomes his his mistake. People probably died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, he causes a he causes a giant boat to crash into New York City or whatever city they're in. Yeah, it's like it's this giant Titanic looking boat that's like halfway. It's knocking over a block of like skyscrapers as it slides between like in between them. <laughs> And there's like little people running over the highways and like running over cars and and then little to- little little toots just like kind of crying as he's getting hauled away in chains. But I don't know. It's like I was like, wait a second, what just happened? My my favorite part about little toot was was the music. Little toot was just a tug, just a happy harbor tug, and it came from a line of tugboats, fine and brave. Sung by the Andrews Sisters, who were a very famous singing group. Um, they were also, David, they sung in Make My Music on the, the segment um, Johnny Fedora and Alice Bluebonnet. Okay. Which was one of my favorites from that one. So I was reading a little bit about them, um, and they were most famous for their close harmony. It's like a type of, a type of singing, um, which is very obvious when you listen to them, how tight and and unique their harmonies are. Oh yeah, and I bet that has something to do with like, with, with them all being sisters. Their voices are all going to sound very similar. Yes, and they were all only a couple years apart. Their names are uh, Laverne, Maxine, and Patricia. Gosh, and they're they're most famous for singing the uh, Boogie Woogie Boogie Boy of Company B. Huh. Are you familiar with that song? Ah, cool. That was like their big hit and sold over seventy five million records Goodness. in their career. So I think that's pretty good. Man, That's but just good. like what a sign of the times. First of all, to have a band that is the Anything Sisters, 
Yeah. Like you never see that anymore. And I mean, this is a very old movie in so many visually, so many apparent ways, but do you think like the parents were rooting for a third daughter by like by the third kid? And they're like, all right, they're going to be a band. We're going to make it happen. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And this, I mean, this would be like one direction singing in a segment in a Disney movie yeah. like, based on their popularity. <laughs> You're a little behind the times, Mike. Right now it would be Cardi B. <laughs> but no, but she's no, I'm, I'm trying to think I mean, of a group. Band. I'm trying to yeah. think of a group, yeah, yeah, yeah. a group of singers. Could be Hanson. Hanson. Yeah, they're back. Oh yeah. And better looking than ever. So a little toot. I don't know, this one just made me laugh just because it's called Little Toot and they're just singing about toots. And yeah. Immature, you know. They'll never get old. Yeah, I, li- I the music was very catchy. I liked that. That was kind of my only note. It was it was entertaining for sure. It wasn't my favorite segment of the movie, but pretty solid so david do you like this one better or the airplane one from saludos amigos they're very similar i was thinking of that too um personifying the vehicle yeah so Um, jacob in saludos amigos if you haven't seen it it's like this it's a family of planes that deliver mail like in south america like they fly through the mountains and deliver mail mm -hmm. and the little plane like has you know he gets sent out to deliver this letter but you know he gets a storm a storm storm, And he goes through the perils of the storm and eventually delivers the letter and, you know, saves the day. So it's basically the same as this toot story. Yeah. And Little Toot was better for sure. Yeah, I think I like Little Toot better. The airplane one is is narrated, you know, with a with a narrator. This one is is sung, which just makes it generally more entertaining. Yes, you're now a great big toot, little toot. Our next segment is number six, which is Blame It on the Samba. So this is bringing back characters from Saludos Amigos and Three Caballeros. So this one, I was trying to figure out where this one originated, and I could not find any proof that this was created for Three Caballeros or Saludos Amigos and then repurposed. But There's it, no way it was not. <laughs> but this clearly could fit into either of those movies. Um, I don't know, Jacob, it's some, I, I kind of, I'm just assuming you haven't seen Three Cabs or Saludos Amigos, so I'm curious what you thought of this segment without any context. Sure. Um, I guess, so it's, it's right after... It's right after Trees. Okay, yeah, so a well-needed pick-me-up for sure. <laughs> I really like the design of the green bird. I, I, <laughs> I thought it was really cool, uh, really cool little character, so I was interested in him um, from the beginning. It was really good, and I I didn't know we had like the superimposed live action on animated technology back then. Yeah, the the top down video of watching someone play organ, like a piece like that, that'll I think that is so cool to watch. I loved that. Yeah, the, the organ solo was probably the highlight of the movie for me. Really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ethel Smith is her name, and she does really good. Well, she, really good. She did really good acting with the with the characters. I thought. Yeah. Yeah, you'd, you'd be surprised what they are able to pull off back in the 40s. Three Caballeros, I believe, was the first one to completely mix live action with cartoons. Saludos Amigos had both, but I don't think they ever interact with each other. Three Cabs, there's a lot of interaction. And so that's why I kind of assume this one was a deleted scene from Three Caballeros. But generally trippy, as is Three Caballeros. Um, if you guys haven't listened to that episode, I 
recommend going back, watching the movie, and then listening to, listening to our discussion, because certainly the animators were, are, were on something through at least part of this. She scares me. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's like her weird makeup or the lighting or something. I did not enjoy this segment, and I know that... I didn't want to be too harsh on the Three Cabs episode because I know that's one of your favorite you movies. You can be Mike. as harsh as you want. But yeah, this was that the third bird just annoys me. The sounds I thought kind of ruined the music. Those <laughs> annoying little sounds. Yeah, I mean, I don't think this is better than any segment from Three Caviars or Saludos Amigos. I just liked yeah. the organ solo. I was impressed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. But if you want a really good, you know, music about. South American country segment, watch Watercolors of Brazil, which I fawned over a couple episodes ago. So, well, that's number six. Uh, what do we have left? We have two is next. So, two is the Flight of the Bumblebee or Bumble Boogie, as it was called. This is a sort of cover of the famous classical Flight of the Bumblebee song, sort of in a swing, jazzy style. Creative animation of a, of a bumblebee being attacked by musical instruments, basically. Sounds this right one to me. really <laughs> reminded me of the picture the music competition we had in elementary school where we had to like draw a painting or a picture of a classical song. And this one just kind of seemed like that in video form. Obviously, the song is called Flight of the Bumblebee, so it was more literal than, you know, abstract, but I don't know. It was good. It wasn't, it was fairly short, so it kind of got covered up for me by the other longer segments. Yeah, it's it's short and sweet. I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun, and I liked the sort of jazzy version of, of Flight of the Bumblebee. I thought this was the trippiest, and there there was some stuff that, like, it, it's it's early on in the movie, so already, like... I'm still kind of wrapping myself around hand-drawn animation that I haven't seen in a long time. I'm just thinking about how hard it would have been to make. The effort it must have been back then. I thought it was a great vision. Like, this, it's just really wacky images. Well, our final segment, and even though it was randomly generated, it left Pecos Bill for last, which is the final segment in this movie. Perfect. Pecos Bill was the roughest, toughest, rootinest, tootinest, shootinest cowpoke that ever lived. The longest segment of this movie, it's, how long is it? It's about 20 minutes long. Another combination of live action and animation. It's sort of this group of people around a bonfire telling the story of Pecos Bill, which we then see in animated form. Engines too? Oh yeah, there's some <laughs> there's some racist and sexist stuff in this. Oh man. Well, I mean I thought oh, shucks. A woman in the story. <laughs> well, see, I thought I thought it was a a bit more girl power than it definitely could have been for that time, but Yeah, that little cowboy kid though had some bad influence on him for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the little cowboy kid, I'm gonna go on a brief tangent. When this movie started, I was reading the credits and I saw the name Bobby Driscoll. I'm like, that name looks really familiar. And I'm like, oh, well, that's that's the voice of Peter Pan. Ah. So that oh, kid wow. is Bobby Driscoll, um, who is, ended up being the voice of Peter Pan eventually. He's also in Song of the South, which is not on our list, but he's in Disney's live action Treasure Island. I'm not sure what character. I mean, maybe the, uh, the, 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 what's the kid in Treasure Island? I don't know, whatever. So, so I started reading about Bobby Driscoll, and I thought about saving this for the Peter Pan episode, but it's long enough from now. I can probably just repeat it then. But this guy lived a life, <laughs> a very sh a very short life. But listen, listen to this. All right, so he was in a bunch of movies as a kid, 
1950, he received a special Juvenile Academy Award, like they gave out Oscars to kids. But by the mid-1950s, his acting career began to decline, and he turned primarily to guest appearances and TV shows. He became addicted to, nar- to narcotics and was sentenced to prison for illicit drug use. How old is he at this time? Uh, not very old, like probably in his 20s. After his release, he focused his attention on the avant-garde art scene. In ill health due to his substance abuse and with his funds depleted, he died in 1968 at the age of 31 in an abandoned building alone and destitute. Oh my gosh. His body went unclaimed and was buried in an unmarked pauper's grave in New York City's Potter's Field. Oh, Oh isn't that insane? And then like... It wasn't until like a year or so later when like his mom was looking for him that they like identified the body with like a fingerprint or something. Jeez. And it says he has he had two daughters and one son. So three kids too. So talk about like troubled child star. That's about as bad as you can get. Yeah. So let's just hope that's not Anakin, little Annie someday. Jake Lloyd. Oh, have you Jake seen Lloyd. pictures of Jake Lloyd recently? Is he doing better? Oh, I'm pretty sure there's a mugshot. Oh, oh no. no. Oh, yeah, I've seen that one. Anyway, back to Pecos Bill. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, like, particularly enjoy this one. I thought it was way too long. Like, it was fun, but I don't know. I was kind of done with this movie by the time I got to Pecos Bill. Yeah. I <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I'd like to think I'm always down for the American folktale, especially in this kind of way. Roy Rogers is, like, arguably the most famous western actor of all time yeah so that was kind of cool i'd i'd never really seen some something some part of his work was that horse real which one it looked animatronic the horse like the live action it was acting so well it like it had great timing it's like they had fishing line like pulling up its upper lip or something i don't know so he he roy rogers had a horse a famous horse named trigger Okay, that's that gotta w- be it then. That appeared in a ton of movies with it. Okay, well then, that's, then that's gotta be who that is. Um, horse, horse wise. Hor- yes, horse wise. I, I don't know. I thought like really, really crazy slapstick stuff. I really can't believe that that was like how the story ended about wolves, coyotes <laughs> howling at the moon. Was that his his wife bounced on her, I don't even know what that thing is called, <laughs> that wire frame they used to prop up their dresses <laughs> and she flew into the moon. That devilish contraption of stealing wire kept bouncing that poor gal higher and higher. It was hilarious. I, I right when she started bouncing, and I realized where the story was going. I just couldn't believe that's <laughs> what, what the punchline was. Know, it's so stupid. That's who was on the moon. Yeah. It, it, what and it was like kind of a weirdly sad note for the the whole thing to end on. Like the horse effectively kills the woman to like save his friendship and i guess to like out of his envy for pecos bill's time he gets his way pecos bill's life is ruined and uh that's it yeah it was my favorite depiction of like six shooters that i've ever seen in a cartoon (laughs) though i mean you mentioned it earlier just like all the creative ways they had him shooting his guns everywhere and stuff was so funny so yippee I think that's probably good. We've been through all the segments here, so let's wrap this sucker up. On every episode, we we create we create a rating system. Okay. Based on this movie, Melody Time, what should our rating system be? 
Oh, shoot. Ooh, I have one, if you can't think of one. <laughs> Do it. Yeah. What is it? Five little toots. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Perfect. All right. So, Jacob, give us your final thoughts and tell me how you would rate this movie out of five little toots. I had a lot of fun kind of imagining myself as I am now, but 60 years ago, I maybe have the luxury of not being worn out on the segment-based uh, Disney movie as you guys. I give this three and a half toots. All right. David? All right. David, how many um, toots you got? <laughs> this one, I enjoyed a lot more than I expected. I think I'd rate it higher than most of the previous five or so movies that we saw. I think I have to agree with Jacob. Three and a half little toots little out toots, of five. Yes. Do you like this one better than Make Mine Music? Yep. Really? All right. I do. Uh, toots. I think I give this probably just two toots. There's other ones I like better. So I'm going with two toots. Save your toots for them. Yep. Saving my toots. God, it's so funny. It's so funny. <laughs> what, what? Wait, what, what's so funny? Just toots. Just oh, like. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Lil, his name's Lil <laughs> I thought toot. I missed something. <laughs> and he was, he was a big toot by the end of the segment. And you had the Andrew sisters just singing about toots. So anyway, anyway bef- before we wrap this up, um, this is our 10th movie. So Jacob, you can hang tight for a sec, but sure. David, I, I just want to quickly give a little update to the listeners. We have 10 movies now, so rattle off your top 10 for me and then I will do mine. And can I assume that we're going to do this every 10 episodes? Sure. Yeah. All right. Start the yeah, tradition and this is now. not like set in stone. This is just for now. And it, it will it will certainly change as we go. Okay. Number 10, Saludos Amigos. Number 9, Three Caballeros. Number 8, Fantasia. Number 7, Fun and Fancy Free. Number 6, Make Mine Music. Number 5, Snow White. Number 4, Melody Time. Number 3, Bambi. Number 2, Pinocchio. And number 1, Dumbo. I don't remember you liking Dumbo that much. Uh... Okay, number one, Pinocchio. Number two, Dumbo. <laughs> Thanks for jogging my yeah, memory. Yeah, right. Well, I, I love Dumbo. So my top 10, or wait, there's only 10. My my ranking of our first 10, I got number 10, Fun and Fancy Free. Number nine, Fantasia. Eight, Saludos Amigos. Seven, Melody Time. Six, Pinocchio. Five, Bambi. Four, Make Mine Music. Three, Snow White. Two Dumbo and one, you guessed it, three caballeros. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's gonna be hard to Man. dethrone that one. Blinded by nostalgia. That surprises it's so me. good. It surprises me that Fantasia's getting shafted so hard by you guys. It was incredible. Oh. It was surprisingly not very good. Yeah, you should watch it, Jake. I like, think I will. Yeah. Just from like straight up, just like entertainment value. Like I can certainly be impressed by the animation. Like I think all of these movies are impressive in one way or another by what they could do. But just like from a pure, just sitting and enjoying a movie, I was just really bored by it. So huh. interesting. I think it makes for good content then. That's what this podcast should be. Indeed. So with that, uh, we'll let you all go. Jacob, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you very much for having me. And David, happy to have you join me through this journey as always. Yes, my little toot. (laughs) (laughs) And remember, 
uh, to please give us a rating and review on iTunes. With that, uh, next week we have, I don't know, where's my list? Next week we have The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad, which is two short stories combined into one, our final. I don't quite call this a compilation, but then we get into Cinderella, Alice Wonderland, Peter Pan, and all those things. So uh, stay tuned for that, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. So long. Thanks for listening to the Disney One by One podcast. If you have any questions or suggestions, send us an email to Disney1x1 at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Disney1x1 and at Disney1x1.com. We'll be back next week with another exciting episode of the Disney One by One podcast. <laughs>